Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. As I speak, it's Thursday, April 28, 2022. Here's a headline in my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times, home delivered every day. Cash for your commute. I love this. But this, I, I already talked about this on the show I did earlier today. I'll probably talk about it tomorrow. I'm definitely going to talk about it with my uh, d- dear friend and distinguished guest who's waiting on deck. Cash for your commute. The Chicago City Council narrowly approves Lightfoot's $12.5 million gas and transit card giveaway. Here's who's eligible how to sign up. And this is the point I always make when I say this. Okay, whether you're for it or against it, that we that's a whole other conversation. I just like I just have to laugh. You want to see the Chicago City Council engage itself in debate? You want to see the Chicago City Council like really have a democracy where every vote counts? Just propose to give something to a poor person. You know, if you were given $1.3 billion to a developer to develop an already gentrifying area in the north side of Chicago, I had no debate, no discussion, no, every vote counts, who's going to vote for it, let's do a count. No, but you give a, a poor person a gas card, and you only do it because of Willie Wilson, Oh, suddenly everybody's up in arms. It's a debate. Anyway, it kind of ties into what I want to talk about with my distinguished guest. So I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Oh, me. Yes. You keep saying the word distinguished. It throws me off. Um, Well, that's me again, Sam Holloway. Yes. He's so modest in these openings. He's Sam Holloway. He's my neighbor and dear friend. He's one of the leftiest people I know. Uh, at one point, I used to identify him as a Green Party person, but he said, Ben, stop doing that, essentially. He just he voted Green in an election, so that doesn't make him a Green I even, Party person. I even volunteered uh, on some of those elections. And, I, you know, and uh, we'll probably get into things that sort of explain why, so I won't b- belabor the point now. All right, and he also was one of the few people who stood with the Chicago Reader and uh, when we were... Uh, <laughs> 
in the midst of her labor struggles with the Sun Times. But he came and he held up pickets on Oath. Always, can can uh, I say, I, I, uh, my heart was with you this last time, too. I had uh, some uh, family things that had to be taken care of, so I, I, had, to, I had to miss the latest uh, demonstration. But I was there with you in spirit. And that, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, the Chicago Reader, uh, we've talked a lot about this on the show. We've lived to fight another day, apparently. We're always on the ropes. I was telling Nate, the uh, producer, before he came on, Sam, we have been uh, an endangered species for this entire century. And a conversation in my house uh, with my daughters as they were growing up was always, Daddy's about to lose his job. We had that conversation. <laughs> Daddy's broke ass is about to lose his job, and we with it go health insurance because our country's insur way of insuring you is to link it to the job, uh, which is another show. All right, uh, before I get into what I really want to talk to you about, mm -hmm. uh, which is um, capitalism and how it's on raw display uh, with Elon Musk, rounding up 45 billion or 44 billion. It seems like the number varies. Let's say it's 44 to 46 billion dollars to buy Twitter, which to me is the biggest waste of money that I've seen this century. You could maybe you can come up with a better example, Sam. What a waste of money. Uh, overinflated price for a relatively worthless asset that does no good of really anything I could see. Uh, doesn't create jobs or anything like that. Doesn't pump money into the economy. It's just what a waste of money. But before we get into that, get your opinions on that. Your thoughts on uh, what I began with. The city of Chicago decided we're going to help uh, uh, poor people by giving gas money and uh, CTA venture cars and a big debate in the city council uh, as to whether they're going to do that. What's your thoughts about that, Sam? Well, I think your mention of Willie Wilson is very uh, appropriate. I think. Uh what Wilson did, the stunt he pulled, um, was very interesting. I didn't find out about it till after I actually saw it in practice. There's a gas station down the, you know, about a half mile from here, the one at Western and Irving, one of those. There was like police cordons and a, a few cops and other vehicles, city vehicles around, and there was like cars. It was, it seemed really odd because I go there all the time, uh, and the the energy around it, what, I couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. It, you know, it wasn't a, a uh, I think there was a couple TV cameras too. Um, so, so later on I found out what Willie Wilson had been doing. And the best description I could give you of what he was doing, in my opinion, was actually someone actually posted on Twitter. They called it uh, Hunger Games. Um, basically, we have... The vast majority, well, I don't know about the vast majority, but a good number of working people in Chicago struggling. Uh, the pandemic, in addition to ordinary functions of capitalism, hit a lot of people hard. Gas prices are shooting up. Cost of living is shooting up. It's, you know, it's getting tough for a lot of people to make ends meet. So Willie Wilson, probably as a prelude to his, for running for mayor, I would guess, if not governor or senator or something, um, he's a perennial candidate for something, pulls the giveaway stunt. And I, I like the Hunger Games because uh, analogy because it's not going to help anyone structurally, and neither is uh, Lightfoot's proposal. It's not going to change the fact that, let's say, public transit should be free. It should be free at point of service. We shouldn't have to come out of pocket to ride a public good. 
um, I shouldn't be, no one should have to pay a fare to ride CTA. Um, gasoline prices are another story. Uh, there's so much complexity baked into the price of a gallon of gas. Uh, I, I don't even want to get into that right now. Um, but even still, if you're to, to say that giving it to people, how, you know, the amount of money she's proposing is, is a pittance. It's, you know, it's not going to really help anything structurally. It's not getting to the core of the problem. And so the, the, if it's raising a debate, if it's, people are getting angry about it, it's ac exactly what you said. It's the idea that you give something to poor people is abhorrent. You're supposed to give money to rich people. And it's supposed to trickle down to poor people. And this is apparently a belief held by liberals as well. Not just, this was a Reagan uh, campaign uh, cornerstone, the trickle-down thing. And apparently, it, uh, using other language or no language at all, it's become conventional wisdom. Um, and it, it doesn't work. It never works. But that's not the point. It's not supposed to actually work for poor people or working people, working poor, whatever. The, well, let's just call them the labor class. It's not supposed to benefit the labor class in any, any substantial way. It's supposed to benefit the rich people. And that's pretty much it. And that's, you know, and this proposal is probably just about as much of a publicity stunt as Willie Wilson's gag was. And, and who is it, you know, is it going to give her an extra vote? I don't know. Who cares? I don't really care. I'm, I've, I hadn't heard of this, by the way, I, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I find it just amusing. Uh yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's uh, it, it sparked a furious debate in Chicago City Council, uh, which I had a smile at. A assholes. <laughs> wait, uh, okay, wait. I forgot. I neglected to do this at the top of the show, but I must. After that last statement, I must say this: uh, Sam Holloway is a firefighter for the Chicago, and he's a great firefighter. In my home. I've seen him in action driving that truck. And let me just say this: City of Chicago, what he has to say. It, or his opinions. Do not punish him for coming on my podcast and saying his opinions. That would be such a disrespect to free expression, <laughs> supposedly what is motivating Elon Musk. What a joke. So leave him alone. Okay, just don't be a bully. Leave him. The man is right. He's entitled to his own opinions. Okay, okay and I, all I'm going to say to that, Ben, is... Um, we have a saying on, on the fire department. It's probably true in a lot of other uh, city departments. Uh, it's when you're thinking about whether something you're you may be considering doing may run afoul of disciplinary procedures. Always ask yourself or tell yourself, do what you can afford. But see, that works both ways. See, I, I'm always, you know, monitoring my behavior, trying to keep a clean nose and such. Um, so if anyone wants to come after me for a First Amendment protected uh, activity that does not violate any code of conduct by any reasonable stretch of the imagination, go for it. Go for it. You might get a pound of flesh now, but the city's lawyers, unfortunately, are often given tasks that are impossible for anyone to perform. Let's just say that. Uh, I ain't worried. <laughs> 
I'm on my way. I'm, I'm on my way out anyway. If, if they want to make it, if they want to add some zeros to my retirement fund, go for it. I, I always worry about this, and this goes way back to the time where uh, Sam spoke on the record to me about Mayor Rahm's appearance. Speak about Mr. Trickledown. Speak about a, a Romney Republican. Uh, <laughs> Mayor Rahm was going around. He felt, and I love this story so much. Uh, Mayor Rahm, to, to prove how tough he was, was uh, showing up at firehouses unannounced with, with bodyguards, of course, to tell the firefighters... Uh, the bodyguards were Chicago police officers, so he would be have the police officers protecting him as he went to firefighters and said, I gotta go after your pensions. And uh, Sam stood up to Mayor Rahm, I love that story, and he goes, no, no you don't. You could slap a LaSalle Street tax right now, raise more than enough money, every, you get better pension. And uh, <laughs> I think Mayor Rahm's attitude, if, uh, if you wanna run for mayor, run for mayor, some snarky thing. But he did back off and he stopped visiting firehouses. So firefighters, you all, Sam. You owe him some gratitude for that one. Uh, all right, so uh, I we're in a total agreement on that uh, on that point. Uh, that it's a stunt. Uh, it put a little change in uh, people's pockets without any kind of structural uh, significant change in their lives. It's a total political stunt. Uh, attempted to uh, head off Willie Wilson, who's about to have another giveaway. Uh, Sammy announced it, so it's like <laughs> gas giveaway fights. In, in fairness to Willie Wilson, I. Um, the man is a capitalist. He, you know, he's he's what you call a you know he's he's sort of the rags to riches story, a poor uh, not doesn't come from a family of highly educated people. Uh, I mean, when I say that, I mean formal education. The man's obviously got a working brain in his head. There's no question about it. And uh, I'm not one of those people that think if just because you're poor and even maybe even illiterate or functionally illiterate, you could be one of the smartest people in the room of PhDs. Intelligence works in a lot of different ways, and Willie Wilson's got it. I have no question about that. That's, that's not what I'm getting at here. Um, what I'm saying is, because he's a capitalist, he pr truly believes, and it, he may truly believe he's doing a good thing. You know what I mean? The, the, by giveaways. I, you know... I, and I, I say that because if this is a stunt to curry favor, you know, to, to earn him votes, I don't expect it to translate into policy that will challenge the structural inequities. That's not something I expect from a capitalist, even a relatively minor capitalist like Willie Wilson. Oh, absolutely not. Willie Wilson's a supporter of Bruce Rauner, who's the right. for out-of-town listeners, former governor of Illinois, who dedicated four years in office to trying to destroy unions. Uh, I don't know how you could say you're uh, a friend of working people and a friend uh, in the fight against inequity if you're destroying, for better or for worse, what is the only association dedicated to approving the lot of working people. Right. And, and let's dig into that a little bit more, just a tiny bit more, because I think this is getting into what you want to talk about. Uh, how did Willie Wilson make his money as a McDonald's franchisee, I believe? Um, and I have no question, again, in his, his mind, he probably believes, you know, in the virtue of, of what he's done. And that's reasonable, considering the society we live in. Uh, and I'm, I'm not here to condemn him. I'm just here to point out uh, a McDonald's franchisee is only going to get wealthy by exploiting the labor of people in his community. You know, that's what McDonald's, that's how you make money at, <laughs> off of labor. And not just the, you know, and you can expand it if you want to really get 
get uh, wicked with it. I mean, it's not just the people in his community he has working for him. And, and, here, and, and again, let, let me underscore this now. I've read, I, I seem to recall reading some stories of him really doing some really good things for some of his employees, uh, you know, uh, that he did not have to do. You know, um, coming out of his pocket to like help them pay for school or something like that. You know, I, it was something that it was little acts of generosity, which are, you know, uh, not not required by a McDonald's franchisee or any other bit small business owner. That doesn't change the fact that the money he used to do that, the position he holds that gives him that power, comes from the exploitation. Of labor, you know, of labor class people in his community, um, and if again expanding it, because McDonald's is a global corporation. Uh, the exploitation of of uh, agricultural workers all over the world, definitely in this country for sure. So, um, you you cannot get rich without exploiting the labor class, and to some extent, the natural world even, you know. Um, that's what capitalism is. It's exploitation. And I don't need to quote Karl Marx. I can quote a rich liberal, a very funny rich liberal, who I'm somewhat of a fan of, um, Fran Lebowitz. You're familiar with Fran Lebowitz, right? She's famous for saying, well, moderately famous for saying, no one earns $100 million. You steal $100 million. Now, I don't think Fran Lebowitz would be confused with a communist. But that's her wisdom. That's, how, that's from, the, from the mouth of a wealthy liberal. Now, and I obviously, being somewhat of a commie myself, I would not argue with that. How, you know, we... Wealth, uh, wealth is a funny thing. Uh, the accumulation of wealth is a, is a funny thing. And we... we tend to just reflexively glorify it in, the, in our culture, you know. Uh, and we tend to overlook what it takes, you know, individually, collectively, structurally, to um, generate that kind of wealth accumulation and to secure it, to protect it. Uh, so when, when you see people who have more money than they could ever realistically spend, you know, it calls to mind uh, the theme of the movie, uh, that, that Richard Pryor movie, Brewster's Millions, where they told him he had, if I recall, the plot was he had to spend a certain amount of money and they gave him specific rules. And he, if he could do it within a certain amount of time, he'd inherit the rest. But it was very difficult for him. He was a labor class guy. He, uh, I think it was like a minor league baseball player or something like that. He didn't know what to do with all that money. So it was really hard for him to spend it. Uh, and, and there was sort of a message in there, I guess. I don't know what the intended message was, but for the purposes of our conversation today, um, there are people who we call billionaires, multimillionaires, who have more money than they could ever hope to spend on themselves or even their immediate families. And what do they do? They keep making more. That's the goal. That's the imperative. Um, and we see this, we, we consider this reflexively. And this is a, across the spectrum. Liberals, conservatives, whatever we want to call them, reactionaries, they all consider that a good thing. Um, 
and and there's the I, I guess it's a semi left wing analogy. If you know, if somebody stacks like newspapers and old phone books up in their house to the ceiling so they can barely walk through it, you call them a hoarder. You think they're crazy. Someone collects money and property more than they could ever use. We you know we look up to them. And let's be, I'm going to be perfectly honest, the person collecting phone books and newspapers is doing far less damage than the one collecting wealth and property. But that's getting into the issue of, again, in order to glorify that kind of accumulation, that's, this is probably the big difference between what we'll call liberals and conservatives, um, or, or as probably in a better, another country we'd call moderates and fascists. Um, the moderate, the liberal, doesn't talk about all the violence. They just ignore it. They, or they, when it's thrown into their face that they can't ignore it, it's seen as, a, they, they, can, they characterize it as an aberration. Oh, that, that one went too far. What a bad man. Oh, or that was a mistake, it was a tragedy. Um, you know, they, the structural violence is toned down, mischaracterized, to the point of comedy. Um, I mean, there is, what's this guy's name? I want to say Alec Karenstein. It's a journalist based in New York, I want to say. I'm, I've got to get his name correct. But he, uh, he's, he's forever writing these really great tweet threads, leaking to his to articles and whatever, some of which he's written himself, about the media's characterization of police and police activity. And I bring this up, and some, this may seem like a tangent, but we're talking about accumulation of wealth. There's violence built into the systems of wealth. Wasn't it Ben Kingsley, the great Ben Kingsley once said in a movie, uh, poverty is the worst form of violence. He was portraying Gandhi, but I don't know that Gandhi ever actually said that. So I, I, I credit Ben Kingsley. So, um, and, he, and that, that is absolutely correct. In order to, to generate and protect uh, that level of material inequality requires a great deal of violence. After, at a certain point, the violence becomes systemic. And that's essentially what policing is in this country. When we talk about police brutality or policing being out of control or the system is broken, no, that's what it's supposed to do. And it's not, it's not about individual cops. Sure, there's a lot of Nazis who are cops. There's a lot of fascists and abusers who are cops. But there are probably a lot of decent people who put on that uniform. Or at least they're decent before they go out in that uniform. Because then they're, they're part of um, the systemic violence. When's the last time you've seen a billionaire get frog-marched in handcuffs? When's the last time you've seen a SWAT team break into a billionaire's home? It don't happen. And, and even if it does, it's, it, you know... It's probably been telegraphed so far in advance that, you know, it's a show. To show that this is, sure we do it. No, they don't. No, they don't. And the racial aspect of it, inescapable. And it's not just USA, UK, it doesn't matter. Any, any, pretty much any white, rich, rich white country, the police have the same basic function. It might be worse here than in other places, but it's, it's bad, you know. Um, so again... Um, police, military, that's the violence that helps 
that, that protects this process of exploitation. Further, it, it, it furthers it. Sometimes it is inter integrated with the process of exploitation. Um, the other side of that is, uh, you know, one of the other things, it's the carrot and the stick, you know. For people like me, my, in my job or in my social, uh, socioeconomic stratum, um, we're given more of the carrot. And some of us are given the carrot in exchange for wielding the stick. <laughs> I, believe me, I have, a lot of, I have a lot of former cops, a lot of military veterans on my job. These are the, these are the stick wielders. Um, and in a sense, so firefighters, we are too, because we, we help maintain order. We just don't bring violence to people. We clean up after the whatever, you know, we, but we're part of that order keeping. It's just a, a benign part, you know, but this is all capitalism because capitalism is exploitation. It is inherently unfair. It is inherently destructive. It is parasitic. It is predatory. Um, and it has been normalized and, uh, in our culture. It is, is, it is what our culture, our political economy is based on. And most, the vast majority of us, in one way or another, accept it and embrace it. Which is why it is so difficult to sometimes to wrap your head around why something happens. That, you know, why, for example, someone like Elon Musk, why would he spend $46 billion buying a platform, which I, I will give Twitter a little more credit than you will, Ben, not because of the design of the platform, but because of a lot of the people who use it, who've put, you, you can pretty much, the way the platform works, it is a great, great public forum for um, people getting in touch with each other. Uh, sharing ideas with each other. Uh, I follow, I'm not on there as much as I used to be, um, but I still follow a lot of really, really incredibly smart and sincere, wonderful people. There's also a lot of Nazis and knuckleheads on Twitter too. I, I just want to stop you here. Yes. Because this is an important distinction. Yes. And I want you to uh, concentrate on, on one aspect of this. This is a... I, I find this story fascinating on many levels. There's yes. many avenues that we could take in discussing discussing Twitter. Uh, I tend to mock Twitter and make fun of people who are on Twitter, uh, just for many reasons, mainly because I don't go on Twitter, so it's, I enjoy <laughs> you, it. You and you and my wife both. Yes, and people make fun of me for being a rabid Bulls fan. So to me, you know, <laughs> I see some correlations. Uh, all right, and it's all good, you know, making fun. I'm going to talk about this as an acquisition. I'm going to talk yes. about this as capitalism. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's and let's put aside also the political ramifications of Elon Musk purchasing Twitter and what that could do for our political system. Uh, let's just put that aside. And I want everybody to concentrate on the, on the you 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 made the point you you said why would anybody spend 46 billion or 45 let's just call it 45 billion all right guys uh, for, for Twitter and Sam Twitter may be useful for you to follow your favorite writers or your favorite thinkers it be, may be useful uh, as a platform where you could get off quips that you think are pretty funny 
it may be useful for me to keep up on on Bulls games, but as a money-making operation, it's not useful. For what capitalism is supposed to be, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going Milton Friedman on you here. When you're in charge of a company, your first responsibility is to your shareholders or to, he's going to go take it uh, uh, private, the people who are lending you the money to make this huge investment. Okay? So when I look at Twitter, I don't see a money-making operation. I see nothing but headaches for anybody who's going to try to make significant money out of it. And yet, right. and yet, not only did Elon Musk put up some of his money, he found some banks. He found people putting up their money. And I'm like, I don't understand the way capitalism works if, <laughs> I guess, because I do not understand. I would not put my money into this venture. I would not buy shares of Twitter right now. It's The number of users it has is falling. It doesn't produce anything on its own, so nobody is going to buy it for like the movies. Like it's not producing movies or anything. It's a platform that people put stuff on. If people stop putting stuff on it, nobody. It's advertising revenues will fall, and that's what's been going on. I'll take you one step further. Him, if he succeeds in buying it, it's going to lose even more people. Yes. That's the 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 specter of him even buying it is has many many people considering dropping it. That because his stated purpose for buying it is to improve it, and his stated meth, method of improving it is to take off any kind of guidelines that protect people who go on Twitter from abuse. So unless you're a masochist, who would go on Twitter if you're just going to be subjected to more abuse? You're going to kill the platform that raises, so you get even less money out of it. So help me, Sam, I don't see, from a capitalistic perspective, why anybody would sink all this billions of dollars into Twitter. So I turn to you, my dearest leftist friend, my leftiest leftist friend for an explanation. What is it about capitalism that makes us inviting to a banker to lend money to Elon Musk? Um. Well, uh, first, before I forget, I will refer people to another liberal publication, another liberal uh, institution, almost, uh, literary, um, journalistic institution, the New Republic. In December 9th, 2020, they posted an article titled Elon Musk's Big Government Grift. I highly recommend you look that article up and read it. Um, Musk, like Jeff Bezos, um, pretty much any other billionaire. Those are the two big names that we know because they like being in the public eye. Um, much of their wealth is built off, off, in one way or another off the public dime. Um, neither of them was born into poverty, but they were able to leverage, you know, whatever it was, the dot-com bubble or something and start start making massive amounts of money out of thin air. But since then, uh, Elon Musk is, is credited by, as a visionary. I mean, even, even Star Trek was doing it in one of their recent shows, which is really pathetic. But uh, 
anyway, um, he's not necess- He's not an engineer. He's just a rich kid who got lucky off the, the dot-com bubble or something and figured out that this is the country, the USA is a country where the government loves to give money to rich people. And he's been working that angle like crazy. And if you think of capitalism like a typical liberal economist would as essentially a net good, a system that has a sound internal logic based on growth, uh, efficiency, blah, blah, blah. Well, then you might be confused by why he would do something like this. You might be a little confused as to why he would have a failing, a comically failing rocket company. Um, And why his most heralded projects are in practice completely ridiculous. Like the, like the car tunnel in Vegas, which is not, necessar- not exactly a nightmare, but a self-parody of an accomplishment. So, but he pulls off these projects because he figured out how to leverage communities against each other. Uh, all right, this is going to be a boon in jobs if we build this thing. You're going to get jobs. It's going to be a big success. You're, you're, you're all going to look like geniuses for, for helping me bankroll it. So they give him tax breaks, grants, whatever. And he can't lose. It's a no-lose situation. Um, and it's a similar with the banks. If the banks back a losing project, if they go in the red, what, what's, remember what happened with the uh, credit default swaps and whatever, that, that big debacle of 2007, 2008, they all bought into that crap. Not all of them. There were some that didn't, a few smaller ones, or more conservative banks didn't really get too deep into it. Um, they were affected, but not as directly. But, well, what happened? We bailed them out. They know the public money is always there to save them. If it's not, if it's going to help them, the, it, and it's going to, this is the thing, they're going to get the money at both ends. Elon Musk has gotten money for, at both ends. He's gotten you know, government investment, infrastructure investment, tax breaks, and like uh, tax credits for, you know, losses or whatever. They, I'm, I'm not that well-versed in that sort of thing. But the money has never stopped flowing from the government to this guy. He, he can't lose. And the whole system of, of you know, the stock market is a, is, a, is a weird sort of casino. That's why his stuff is really overvalued. You know, I I would never buy a Tesla. You could you could give try to I won't you you can't even give me one. If I want an electric car, I'm going to buy one from an actual car company, not from that guy. I mean, there are people that have them and they love them. Great, God bless them. But their reputation is, you know, a little sketchy. Let's put it that way. Whether that's well deserved is not for me to decide. Ask your average engineers, automotive people what they have to say about it. But what I hear is they're not the best well-made, not the, not the best designed and built vehicles on the road, not even the best designed and built electric vehicles. But there's a lot of hype that surrounds Elon Musk. And that is in part due to the corporate media. They love a hero. And there's no better hero than a, a, a billionaire, a capitalist. 
and a, but a cave. But you have to, if you hunt for it, you'll find an article like this one in the New Republic that tells you what's really going on. But that's pretty rare. But that's pretty rare. I, I definitely got to. I read that article when it came out. Uh, I wasn't as intrigued by Elon Musk as I am now. I, I <laughs> I've seen his type before. Donald Trump is a another obvious mm-hmm. example, and they're salesmen. Uh, and like I won't even compare him to Henry Ford, uh, who, for no, all of his sympathizer. faults, yeah, <laughs> starting with that one, Nazi sympathizer, a rabid anti-Semite, yes. uh, at least had an engineering mind. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. So, I, I have a theory. By the way, that was I, yes. Everything you said, yes. In other words, there is no risk of uh, because the governmental. They're confident that one way or the other, taxpayers will come to their assistance, and somehow or other, it'll be justified. Uh, as <laughs> you know, and, and and the Democrats will go along with it, and of course, the Republicans will. Um, so yes, I see your point. There's also this. This is something that popped into my mind when I was having a conversation earlier today with Miles Confalasson. I urge everybody to check that one out too. Another lefty friend of mine. Uh, is very smart man yeah very smart man uh so sam just follow me on this one for years and years and years uh well-to-do republican real estate owners in the chicago loop would hire michael joseph madigan law firm to handle their property taxes and i typical chicago journalist that i am I worked from the assumption that they did it because the system was somehow or other rigged to benefit Madigan. So I always worked, when I began, uh, I worked from the assumption that these Republican property owners who despised whatever the Democratic Party stood for, whatever mild version of New New Deal Deal politics the, the Democratic Party represented, very diluted version. Uh, but they, they employed Madigan because they figured they would get a break because Madigan, there was a machine, and Madigan would exploit his control of the machine to get the Cook County assessor to give him a break. And then I realized, Sam, that pretty much anybody who appeals their taxes gets a break. That's the system. The system is set up because the system is based on the notion that the vast majority of people won't appeal, and they'll be the suckers who pay... <laughs> what a system for the appeals that everybody gets. So they encourage people to appeal. And Madigan doesn't do any better than my wife did when she appealed our property taxes. <laughs> they should hire my wife. And I realized they only hire Madigan. It was a way of cozying up to Madigan. It was a way of passing on, you know, some money to Madigan. That's why they hired him. They didn't hire him because they were getting a break that they wouldn't have gotten from any other lawyer in town. They hired him because they want a cozy favor with him. Banks give money to Musk not because they've done an astute analysis and come to the conclusion that it's in the best financial interest of their shareholders. They do it because they want to cozy up with a billionaire. That's my, Lord, my working theory. I, I think you're absolutely right. 
but but I would go a half step further and say there is a reason why they want to cozy up, why the, the rich Republicans want to cozy up to Madigan, a, a leading Democrat, and why the banks want to cozy up to um, to, to someone like Musk. Um, they're looking, intentionally or not, they're looking at a longer, a bigger picture. Um, and I think you were hinting at it just now. It is looking out for their interests, but not just in the short term. It's not simply a, a direct quid pro quo, which um, is not, which does happen, I'm sure. But it's not, in this case, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a desire to uphold and maintain a system. So you, Curry, if, if you're a rich Republican real estate magnate, mogul or something, and you want to, you're currying favor with Madigan, not so that he'll do something specific for you right now that you have in mind, but because you want him in power, you want people like him in power because you know you can count on him to maintain and not threaten, and, and not just to maintain the system himself, but to ward off any threats to the system, to gatekeep against the system. Let's let's revisit just a moment uh, our, our, the earlier suggestion of a LaSalle Street tax. Now, as I discovered after bringing that up to Rahm Emanuel, it was not something new to him. He probably, he had to have been aware that there were state legislators who had proposed this before. It never made, it never made it out of committee. And if the same people who might still be in office were to bring it up today, it would never make it out of committee. And it, Mike Madigan doesn't have to be there anymore. There are plenty of people who would either vote against it or simply just not support it. And I'm going to guess that my own state rep and state senator are among the, that number, um, just based on where I live. <laughs> um, Democrats, of course. Uh, so that's what those people are buying. It's a little more cryptic when you're talking about banks backing someone like Musk. But I still think the same principle, general motivation applies. Um, Musk, Bezos, and they're really kind of two sort of singular individuals in, in the amount of public stat stature that they have. Um uh, they don't just, it's not that they're successful. It's that they represent an idea of success. And they're drawing attention away from how the system really works. Do you know what I mean? I mean, if you look at them, if you examine them, as some of us have a tendency to do, you'll realize that it is all smoke, mirrors, and violence. It's, it's all bullshit held up by violence and, and graft and legalized, some of it mostly legalized corruption. Um, but they're useful in that whenever there is a public controversy involving Bezos or, or Musk, it almost always misses the point. And the corporate media are very good at helping that and doing that. So the, his proposed purchase of Twitter is perfect for that. For, 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 for that role. Whether it goes through or not, it's a, it's a perfect controversy. Because as you say, Ben, it's not going to make money. 
Twitter isn't going to make anyone any money. It's a public forum owned by private, that's privately owned, essentially. Um, if people think, and, and, and there's, this is something that lefties get a lot of from liberals, mainly. Uh, they tell us, well, you have to, you, you can't support censorship against Nazis because um, if you do, then the next they're going to come after you, the left. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? They're always coming after us. They never stop coming after us. If they want to go after Nazis, you let them. It, you know, anything that stops a Nazi is a good thing. Unless, except maybe it's another Nazi who's more of a Nazi. But that's another issue. And that has happened, you know. Night of Long Knives and that sort of thing. But um, this, this notion that, and, 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 I, and I don't, there's probably a few liberals that really believe it, but I happen to think that when I hear that from a liberal, what I'm really hearing is, I really want to keep that Nazi around because I'm more afraid of you commies than I am of him. That's what I'm hearing. So this gets, again, this, this sort of, can, we can circle back without too much of a stretch to, to why a banker, why a bank would give tremendous amounts, again, to, of money to, to a, someone who makes questionable decisions and frivolous expenditures, uh, someone like Musk. It's because he does that. It's because we can count on corporate media to keep characterizing this guy as a genius. He's already got a legion of fanboys out there. No matter what he does, they're going to love it. And, and the fun thing about Twitter is if you say something, if you have any kind of, you're, you know, following on Twitter and you say something critical of, of Musk, they, they descend on you like flies, you know. So the, the myth-making is, is ongoing. Um, material rea reality is less important than what he represents and what that representation helps to mask which is the, <laughs> the, the violence, the, the inherent corruption that maintains the, the massive structural inequality. Um, as long as you can point to a guy that fails as much as he does and gets rewarded for it with tax money, tax revenue, and calling him a genius and a success... Well, you know, that's, that's worth the investment. <laughs> and that's worth the investment. And uh, I, I don't see that Twitter would get just, you know, I, I guess it could. It could always get worse. But it's pretty, it's pretty bad now for marginalized people. Uh, the, the, the protections that are supposedly in place, um, they're not drawn up by, you know, lefties, you know, disabled queer uh, minority, you know, minorities. Th these are drawn up by, like, tech bros. You know, um, so, it's, you know, like a computer is, is only, is going to be limited and uh, an algorithm is limited in what it can accomplish. But it's most definitely limited by the, uh, by its designer, by its, by, by its author. So, Nazis, you know, have to really, really work hard to get banned and suspended from Twitter. Twitter, but 
people who criticize Nazis find themselves getting banned and suspended all the time. So let me so, just say something before we go in defense of my uh, friends of the liberal persuasion uh, in regards to what you just said about Nazis. By far, the greatest voice endorsing the rights of Nazi types to have unlimited access to any form of social media, be it Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, what have you, or the right. And we will have this conversation. I, this is one of my favorite conversations, and I think we'll, I'll bring you back next time to talk about free speech as a concept. Mm -hmm. Free speech is largely in this country, in my humble opinion, a tool that the right uses to beat the crap out of anybody who's on the left has got no substantive meaning whatsoever. And inst uh, I would agree. Twitter is essentially the, the club they use to pound you, <laughs> the left. Uh, and so it uh, when, when he, Elon Musk says that he believes uh, in freedom of speech and that's why he's buying Twitter and he's going to uh, open it up to everybody, Including my critics, that's what he said. Including my critics, I just, I, I, I had, a, well, there's another guy standing up for Nazis. So, <laughs> you know, the, that's generally how I view it, Sam. Uh, right. And I always say this one: all you cannot find one libertarian, Republican, MAGA guy who was anywhere, anywhere near the fight. For Colin Kaepernick. Nope. You can't fight right. him. I always put, right. where were you guys when we needed you? Hiding under a table. Telling them to shut up and get in line. So mm -hmm. they're so full of it, Sam, when it comes to free speech. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Uh, all right, you know what? I think that's as good a spot as any to close it down. I love it when a guest okay. says I agree. Uh, that's, uh, that's always <laughs> a good... <laughs> Usually it's, Ben, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, Sam Holloway, thank you very much for coming on and get ready for free speech conversation when you return because that's sure. one of my favorite topics, all right? Will do. All right, that's the great Sam Holloway. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Uh -huh.